Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi everyone, welcome to yet another, yet another, the 200 and however much it is episode of How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best, Ray Mondo. How the devil are you as we, you know, serenely progress well into the sort of uh, 200 pluses of this podcast? Can you Mm. believe that? 200 plus? You know. I know, considering we scoped out about 50 to start with back, back in the day, back when I were a lad. Um, yeah, although that now interestingly puts us in the top sort of 5% or whatever it is of podcasts that are around. I was looking at some stats the other day um, and how the majority of podcasts don't go beyond 10 episodes and then a whole load don't go beyond 20 and then very few go beyond 50. And then, whoa, you're starting to become a unicorn if you've done 100 or more. Um, so millions of podcasts out there, millions of episodes and all the rest of it. But um Quite a few that don't go the distance. So uh, yeah, we're we're going the distance. Well, I mean, there's there's one reason um, that we're still going, and that's because nobody can pull the plug on us. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got that loyal listener. <laughs> yes, e- exactly. We will release them at some point from their purgatory. <laughs> Yeah, um, as long as they keep listening in, that's fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those that one investor that refused to lend us money. Um, obviously, we've we've made him listen to uh, all two hundred plus episodes. Mm. We'll mm. get that fiver out of him soon. <laughs> and uh, talking about investors' investment, we're going to talk today about about the psychology of pricing things, aren't we, Nigel? And how you can uh, when when you're looking to raise money. And so far this week, um, I have four very good sort of um, applications, shall we put it that way, for raising finance. And nothing to do with property. They're all um, startup, scale-ups, that sort of thing. Very niche. I won't go into the details here of it, bore you all with it, but uh, very niche, very interesting. And um, it's just kind of interesting the way how over the years it how it has developed in getting money. So it used to be that um, back in the day, you would have a presentation. That presentation could be 10, 12, 15, 20 minutes long. And then we started experimenting with speed funding, which were which was literally, um, I mean, it, it, back then it was six minutes and then it got reduced to three minutes and then it got reduced to one minute. <laughs> so, And now, you know, we've got investors uh, saying, you know, send me a, a one pager. I don't want a pack. I just want a one pager. I want to see something that I can say yes or no to and then go to the next level. So you've now got steps up leading to uh, approaching investors. You can't just send someone a you know, an investor pack of 25 pages with a link and this and the next thing. They're not interested. They just, they want a quick summary. What's happening? And in that summary, Nigel, I believe you have got some ideas on price framing and how it can lead to getting a better result. So why don't you tell us about that? 
Yeah, Ray, I mean, it, it's funny when you were talking there about um, how it's got shorter and shorter. It's almost like political manifestos don't want to bring politics. You know what I mean? Ben Elton, thank you. Good night. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where politicians used to say what they were going to do. And it and then they've said less and less. And then they, it's even less. And now the only soundbite they say is, well, I tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to do what they're doing. We're going to do something else. And no, 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 we won't tell you what it is. And, it, and it's just like insanity. Anyway, coming back to the psychology of things, I read something, Ray, the other day that I just thought, God, is that is that true? But the research says it is. And here's the thing. The number of syllables in the price for an item so this, the number of syllables, if you said the amount out, how many syllables are there? And the more syllables there, there are, the more they think, you know, the person reacts to it and thinks, oh, that sounds like a lot. If you reduce the number of syllables, people will go for it because of this psychological thing of actually saying it in your head. So I'll give you an example. If you had something priced at $27.00. 89 cents or you had something at $29.40 apparently people go for the 29.40 even though it's more <laughs> they will go for that option uh because it it sounds less because they can say it quicker in their own head i mean how weird is that one ray well yeah i suppose it goes back to the you know everything was priced at 199 or 29.99 99 and then it suddenly went to 95 because that seemed to get more of a response, you know, 1995. And then uh, there are some people that say, well, actually, no, you're better off just to say 20 quid. Uh, but it still keeps reverting to the 1999, that one penny difference. And people are paying 20 anyway, because what they'll do is they'll hand over the 20 pound note. The pound, the, the, the coin that's given back to them goes in the goes in the box. They very rarely put stick it in their purse. Um or they just nowadays, it's just hold a phone up and scan it and pay for it, whatever it is. But how does that then affect things at the higher level? Like, for example, house pricing. How well, do you think? I mean, yeah, well, prices were all very much, you know, two hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety five. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's one of these things, right, where. The visual thing is, if you see it and it's below the 300 threshold, if you've got in your head, I've got a 300,000 pound limit, you kind of, that one then appears in there. But it's mm. funny, if you if you look at properties and do a search at, you know, 200 to 300,000, you'll see an awful lot of houses are actually priced at 300,000. Uh, again, they appear first on the, because people look at the most expensive one in their category as well. So 300,000 sits above, as you scroll, sits above those at 299999. So you see those first. So mm. again, you're capturing eyeballs, you're capturing attention by doing this and, and putting it there. But here's another one on these numbers. If you were selling something in your business, um, maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a course creator, maybe you are a business person that's doing some sort of packaging, apparently taking the comma out of the figure also has an impact and people think it's less. So if you had something at 1,500 and you put 1, 500 or you put 1,500, 
1500 again in research shows that it has more people going for that one than the one with the comma in because the comma makes it look like it's a big yeah. number yeah so yeah. you've got these weird things now why why are we talking about this well this is essentially folks it's what they call pre-framing so what you are doing any any sort of pricing thing and we've just gone through black Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Cyber Black, Monday, Black Tuesday, Friday, Wednesday, Monday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Christmas, Monday, Tuesday, and then New Year sales, Monday, Tuesday. Mm. Right, folks, there are sales every day, aren't they? Um, as in Morecambe and Wise, if you remember Morecambe and Wise, Eric Morecambe <laughs> said, I remember the day well because it was the day Northern Upholstery didn't have a sale on. Uh, that's one for the older generation there. Um, but <laughs> that, reminds me, that reminds me, it's coming up for time to buy a sofa. It's one of these things, folks, <laughs> that when you pre-frame something, you are suggesting a price. And then what you are doing is you are offering a different price to it. And that different price is either going to be lower or higher. Now, what have they done in, uh, you know, everything you see around the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever it is, is you see something that was this and is now this. Enormous price cuts. And people have come to expect these enormous price cuts. What's happened over the last couple of years? Well, obviously, the retailers buy in. And so the, the reduced price still makes them a profit. And the high price was never realistic, was never really the one out there. And, you know, what are they trying to do? They're trying to show that you're getting a bargain. They're trying to induce you to make the purchase. Let's think about this in terms of when you're raising money for your business or whatever. So, Ray, you, you're talking there about some people wanting to start a business. What are they trying to do? They're trying to pre-frame what they think the business could be worth at stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, whatever it might be. Mm. So. We'd like 50,000 now because we think we're going to get a valuation of 150,000. So we'll give you, you know, 50% of the company for 50,000 because we think it's valued at 150. So immediately you're thinking, oh, there you go. That's quite good. However, the next stage, we think it's going to be valued at a million. And then we think it would be 5 million, 10 million, whatever. All, at all of these points, what are you doing? You're you're saying what the, the future price should be, the future value, and therefore this is a reason to buy now. This is a reason to invest now. This is a reason to do it. What do we do with properties, Ray? We always do that GDV, the gross development value, don't we? Yep. So we're mm -hmm. pre-framing. You know, we've got some land, got a few buildings, we're going to do a conversion, we're going to sell this many so million pounds in GDV is going to be 4.5 million costs are 2 million. We're going to make 1.5 million. That's what are we doing? We're pre-framing the price. And why do we do that? Because we are dangling the carrot to tempt people to do it. And um, yeah, so, I mean, you see that all the time. Ray oh, we do, that. yeah. I that. mean, the whole area of psychology around uh, money and uh, how to raise it and so on is quite uh, very interesting. It's a huge subject, uh, <clears throat> not to be confused with persuasion. So persuasion, which was, um, who was the book on persuasion? Cialdini. Robert, Robert Cialdini, Cialdini, that's right. Um, the practice of getting people sympathetic to your message before they experiencing it, it is persuasion, which I've noticed 
creeping in an awful lot to government announcements. You know, you'll you'll all, we we had it. In fact, the autumn statement there. You know, before it happens or before anything happens, they always get leaks, don't they? They always say, "Oh, there's going to be tax cuts and it's going to be wonderful and it's all going to be fantastic." And then on the day, it turns out to be a damp squib. Um, they got that one wrong because uh, I, I was looking on X, formerly known as Twitter. And the government had put this tweet out saying, well, we've just announced a whole range of tax cuts, blah, blah, blah. And at the bottom of the tweet, it had reader context where the fact checkers had stepped in and basically said, this is not exactly true. <laughs> if you look at the, the reality is, you know, you're you're literally 0.025% better off, not, the, not, not what the government are saying. Uh, so message is getting lost in there. But it's we are we are all constantly daily being bombarded with psychological messages and i find it quite interesting you know to watch the news and listen to the language or look at the adverts and listen to the language that's being used and and how it's sort of framed much to the annoyance of my wife i have to say but um who doesn't annoy their wife from time to time come on let's face it um so the the psychology of of that can also work uh, we, we were talking recently in the last few weeks about people having trouble with the banks and settling and all the rest of it um, and trying to sort something out. What's quite interesting in that area is I have helped someone in the last couple of weeks to deal with their indebtedness. And <clears throat> it came to making an offer. And the, the, the figure was 15,000 he was going to offer for this whatever it was. Uh, and he said, I've got 15 grand. I said, well, don't offer 15 grand. He said, why? I said, you have to offer a different number. And we agreed upon 12,321. And they accepted it. They accepted it, provided it was paid within seven days and so on and so on and so on. Because the thing about 1,500 pounds is it suggests that you could probably go to 1,600 or, sorry, 16,000 or 17 or possibly even 20. There's always that suggestion. However, when you do the £12,321, it's like, oh, right, okay, that seems to be... Because where do you go from there? You know, 22, 23? <laughs> you know, you, you... So there's a psychology in numbers, uh, as Nigel pointed out. So the same happens when you're coming to sell. The same happens when you're coming to... You're looking to raise money. Um, we often find uh, that... Well, th there was a period of time there back five, 10 years ago, when every new startup seemed to be valued at a million. That seemed to be, they were always saying, oh yeah, we're worth a million pounds, worth a million pounds, even though they were worth tuppence halfpenny. Um, it always seemed to be that. But what was interesting, having a look back over some of them, as I was, is the, the number of businesses that went for odd amounts. So instead of trying to raise a hundred grand, uh, they wanted to raise 112. Instead of trying to raise 250, they wanted to raise 227. Seemed to get a better response. In fact, no, seemed to be. They definitely did get a better response because I remember it well. I remember being in a room when someone stood up on the stage and they were doing their presentation and they said, we are looking to raise 923,000. You know, they weren't trying to raise them. And that that itself got, got the investors talking. What an odd amount. Why are they doing that? Why? So when the presentation finished, and we were all standing around uh, having drinks and nibbles afterwards. The, the, everybody zoomed in on that. What an odd amount. What is it? You know, they wanted to know the breakdown of it. And this was around about 2016 when the book Persuasion had come out. And I remember the guy doing the presentation, Andy, 
Uh, and he said, well, that I'd, I'd read Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, and I wanted to try and tease. He said, of course, we want to raise a million. That's what we want to raise. But going for that amount was likely to get a better response. And it did. Oh, boy, did it. It got a much better response. And at the end of the day, they did actually get the money they were looking for after a protracted period of time. But that just that one thing, if you'd had three businesses up there all each looking for a million, and and then someone comes out and says, "Well, we're looking for nine hundred twenty-six. Oh, well, oh, 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 oh. yep. That that one thing alone was enough to get all the attention in the room, sucked out and diverted towards them. So, the question, I suppose, is if you're looking to raise money, can you do that? Can you use that to your advantage? Can you use the pre-framing and the persuasion to your advantage? And the answer, of course, is yes, you can. You absolutely can. Yeah, Ray, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, folks, if you're sort of thinking, okay, let's let's consider the mind of the investor. And does the investor, are they feeling like they're getting a bargain, value, a great investment? Or are they feeling like, uh, this is going to be tight, it could go wrong, I, I might lose everything? Well, let's take it back to something really simple. There's a program here in the UK called Bargain Hunt, where they go out, they're given a few hundred quid, and they go out with a supposed expert on antiques and things. And they look around shops and then they buy a few things and then they take it off to auction. There's an auctioneer who gives it a value. And that's what it goes into the auction at with this guide price. Now, some other things they go, oh, that's a bit unusual. I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know who'd like that sort of thing. And, and they say, well, I liked it. I thought it could be worth something. And they go, right, OK. And they spend let's say 30 pounds on it. They take it to the auction. The auctioneer goes, oh, I don't really know much about this. So I've put a guide price of 10 to 20 quid. And lo and behold, when it goes to auction, everyone looks at it, goes, mm, don't know how much those sort of things are valued at. Oh, well, the auctioneer says 10 to 20 quid. Right. Well, you know, I'll bid, I'll bid at eight pounds and see if I can get some value. Um, but they certainly wouldn't go beyond 20. And you end up with the person who they bought it for 30 quid in this game, this game show sort of thing. They end up losing money because someone bought it for 14 pounds. Now, had the auctioneer, and this is what I scream at the telly if I watch this, it really bugs me. If the auctioneer had said, right, I'm going to put it in at 70 to 90 pounds. All right. Now, they've paid 30 for it. Someone comes along doesn't know what anyone's paid for it. Oh, a guide price is 70 to 90. And they go, right, okay. And then it starts and he says, right, who'll give me 70? All right, no, nobody. Who'll give me 60? Nobody. Who'll give me 50? Someone puts a hand up and goes, yeah, I'm, I'll bid 50 because, you know, I think I'm getting a bargain here. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, nobody else bids. They sell it for 50. The team that bought it for 30 have made 20 quid. And, you know, it's sold for a much higher price. What's the difference? It's the pre-framing of the guide price. Now, if you are doing something in property, uh, what are they doing? If you're buying a house, if you're wanting to raise money for a house, and Ray, I remember doing this on a house, it was up for a certain price. And I thought, right, okay, that's their start point. Let's go in, have a look. And I remember someone telling me, he said, if you are not acutely embarrassed at the amount that you're going to give, to the um to the estate agent as what you want to pay for that house then you've not gone low enough and i think it was up for i don't know let's say let's say a hundred thousand 
And I phoned the estate agent and said, yeah, yeah, I'll go and have a look. I had a look around mm, 100,000, mm, I think. And I said, right, I'll offer 55. And I remember the estate agent going, how dare you? That's outrageous. What do you think you're doing? And I said, look, this isn't, I, I don't need a lecture from you. Thank you very much. Your job is to simply pass on my offer. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have a go at me. Well, this is embarrassing. I've got to phone them and I've got to do this and offer that. And that's terrible. And all the rest of it. Anyway, she phoned back and said, oh, yeah, they've said yes. And, <laughs> and it was like, and do you know what? I had two thoughts. One was uh, the estate agent has just missed out on a higher commission. That's why they're miffed. Uh, yep. But the other one was I should have offered lower. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, and it, it's one of these things. Now, here's the thing, folks, that house might have only been worth £40,000 and I've just overpaid dramatically. Yeah. Yep. But what happened? It was the pre-framing of the 100000 that made me think, oh, this is a cheeky offer. Was it a cheeky offer? Well, it might not have been. It mm. might have been actually more than it was worth. So you've got to understand right where is it where is it so whenever you if you are looking to offer on a property and again there's tv shows where they go abroad or they go to somewhere and they say oh it's up for four hundred and fifty thousand. what would you like to offer oh well you know we've got a budget so we'd like to offer four hundred and forty nine thousand five hundred, and you just go and and the you know, the person on the show goes, ooh, that's 500 pounds under their asking price. Ooh, let's see what they say. You just go in and say, oh, I'll offer them 300. And they go, well, I'm not phoning with that. That's that's embarrassing to offer that. And you go, no, that's what I think it's worth. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm taking away this pre-framed value of 450 and I'm focused on what I think it's worth. And this is where you've got to come in here, folks. When you're looking at properties and stuff, you've got to say, what do I think it's worth? Not what the pre-framing is from the estate agent, mm -hmm. not what anyone else is thinking. What do you think it's worth? And that's where you've got to step in and make the offer and, and come in really low on some of those things. Because, right, I'll just, I'll just give you one more story. There was a... This is a story of, of kind of how pre-framing can work and not work. And, you know, whether it's true or, or not, I, I like it as a, as a general idea. In my, picture the scene. You're at the airport. It's busy. It's really busy. The flight has been delayed. Another one's been canceled. And the airline realizes that they've got too many people to fit on the plane. So bing bong. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're really sorry, but the flight has been uh, overbooked. And with the cancellation, we've got, now got too many people. Uh, if anyone wants to come to the desk and take a delay, we'll give you a credit note for $10,000. And, you know, <laughs> and people start racing towards the desk and, and then they go, oh, well, it's not really $10,000. It's a $10 food and drink voucher. At which point, you know, everyone goes up. Sod that, I'm getting on this plane, you know, and they have a real bun fight trying to get people kicked off. If, however, they had said, look, would anyone, you know, we've, we've got a few too many. Would anyone like to do this? And, you know, and we'll give you some vouchers towards things and, and help. And, you know, if anyone's not in an immediate rush, would you mind if we did this? And, that, and they start the pre-framing much lower. Mm. The take up of people who then say, oh, OK, I'll I'll miss this one. I'll skip this. You know, I'll get the next one or whatever is much higher. And, and that's simply from the pre-framing. 
So folks, it's out there all the time. When you're looking to raise money, just remember your investors will have in their head what it's worth. So developments, end values, whatever it is. And if if you're way off what they think it is, you're going to really struggle. So it's this, but Ray, you can influence your investor by, you know, pre-framing a much higher figure. Mm -hmm. These houses could be worth a million each. Get in now, and we're looking for 600000 as an investment. Are you up for it? People look at it and go, hey, there could be a big upside here. Mm. You know, it's, it's it's all in the mind. It it's is all in the mind. mind. It is all in the mind. I was saying this to my kids, actually. Um, it was about a year ago. In fact, it was almost exactly a year ago. We were driving them to school, and this for sale sign appeared up at this property. And it was being advertised by, you know, town and country, high end. And uh, they normally deal with, you know, quite quite expensive houses. And I said to my daughter, I'm going to have a look and see how much that house is worth. <clears throat> she said to me, what do you think it's worth? I said, I don't know, about 800, 850, something like that. See what it's worth. She looks up, she said, they want 1.2 million for it. And I went, they'll never get that. Never. At this time of year, I said, that will not even sell between now and May. Never going to sell. Anyway, we've continued to drive past. And only recently, so now we're almost a year later, a sold sign went up. Sold. I said, you've got to look up and find out how much it sold for. So bear in mind, 1.2 million. Sold sticker on it. What did it sell for? 825. 825. That's a big climb down. But I don't know what their circumstances are. But I think they went, you know, ridiculously over overpriced. Ah, but um, Ray, Ray, here's the thing, though. They may have wanted 750. And by putting it up at 1.2, does the person that pays 800 odd think that they're getting a bit of a bargain? Maybe so. And that might be what's tempted them in. Does the person who's selling it, yeah, 1.2 would have been great, but, you know, I needed 700. I've got well, 100 odd. It, they purchased it thousand. five years ago for 850. <laughs> okay. So that that was, um, yeah, yeah, not good. But but it can, it can happen, you know, start. Yeah. People, you know, put the, house prices up yeah well i mean estate agents always come around and, and say you're going to get this for it yeah. why do they do that because they know you're going to go around a few estate agents and they know that if they always give a high value you'll go with them is it realistically going to ever make that amount no and uh yeah it, it's it's a fascinating subject i i love it I, you know i think it's incredible it's incredible how stupid we are <laughs> <laughs> well moist robots we're only being programmed you've got to watch out for it once you know what the uh, what they're trying to program and what they're trying to do then you can sit back and with the popcorn and think oh that's quite interesting oh i wonder how many people are going to be swayed by that i mean i, I have to say i've got my total cynical hat on when i'm watching adverts these days you know about buy this buy now yes two for one rah, and all that kind of carry on but yeah they do it because it works it works on a mass scale and uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's done because it works. And our government are doing it on us with their behavioral insights team, their nudge unit. They're using these tactics on us on an almost daily basis, which you can see. And uh, yeah, that will get ramped up over the next few weeks as it comes into uh, tax season. You know, get your tax returns in and all the rest of it. You'll start to see that ramping up across the board. But that's another story. Anyway. Yeah, true. I think true. we've uh, I think we've milked this. I have been Green McLennan. I'm still Nigel T-Best. See you soon, folks. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?